Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, it is Christmas Eve. We hope everybody is out there being safe if you're on the roads. Enjoy the holiday with your family or if you're trying to get healthy. Tough time for some people out there. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I just wish this show was on Festivus again. I know. We missed it by a day. If, if only the calendar would work in our favor. So I was going to. But why s- should the calendar be any different, right? The, the calendar never works in our favor. That yeah. just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. A belated Festivus to you. I was going to give you the floor to start the show to just air your grievances about me. Go ahead. No, I'm not going to do that now because there's bigger grievances to air. Tell me so, your grievances so, then. Huh? Tell me your bigger grievances. Okay, how about the Sixers? Let's start with the Sixers. So the right. Sixers play the Sixers played what amounted to the Bishop Sycamores of the NBA because of all the players that were going to be out, right? And so Joel Embiid gets the ball at the end of the game. This is last wants, night against Atlanta, correct? He, yeah, yes. Okay. Was, Just yeah. for our listeners who may have missed it, you know, not somebody might have been watching Thursday Night Football. We know well, that's for, not you. For, the, for, the, for those of you that missed the game, you may want to just turn off this broadcast for about two minutes, and then you can turn it back on because you don't want to miss it because what you want to do is you want to tape that game and watch it because it was such an exciting ending. Not. I was going to so, say, why would you force anybody to watch that disaster? <laughs> that was an, that was awful. Look, I was doing Adam's bedtime, okay, the little one. He goes to mm-hmm. bed early. So by like quarter after 7, 7.20, I'm done. By the time I finished Adam's bedtime, the Sixers were down 15 points, Jeff. Okay, but, but, they, but they came back. And that's all that's important because all that matters is whether or not they gave it the old college try, right? Sure, yeah. Or at least that's ahead. what they say. That's what they they say in, in in the postgame press conference. Well, here's here's the problem, and we've been talking about this for a couple of years now, as you and I have discussed that ever since Jimmy Butler left, who's the closer, right? And Joel Embiid keeps saying that he's now the closer and he's getting more comfortable in that role. So here's how comfortable he is in that role. He is one for 18 in game tying or go ahead field goal attempts in the fourth quarter or overtime. That is. There's only one person in the NBA who's been worse in that time. That's Kemba Walker. Like for perspective on what that is. And so, look, we if he if he missed the one, just so it's clear, anybody listening to this would have just as good would be just as clutch as Joel Embiid is at the end of the game. I can play in the NBA. (laughs) No, no, no. No, you'd be just as clutch. That does not mean that you could play. Well, we know that I'm not clutch. It's two different statistics. We know that I'm not clutch. That's why I do a radio show with you. (laughs) You saw me try out for the blue coats. I'm basically on the laugh reel at this point. I don't I don't call that a tryout, by the way, but (laughs) Well, they they called it a tryout. I called it a No no you got to stretch for a moment. Look, we can't all be dunked on like you, but that's right. we have talked about this. Look, you barely hear Ben Simmons' name at this point. Who, Who? knows what's going to happen with that, with the trade? I have asked you, though, is this team good enough with whoever the pieces are that may come to do anything? Because now they're 16 and 16. They're 6 and 8 at home. In 2021, with eight losses in home, they're only one of five Eastern Conference teams with a losing home record. Mm-hmm. They, 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 in the past two years, they've had the best home record in the NBA. 
you mentioned it last night. The Co- the Hawks had nine players on the COVID list, including and, their best player. And, and the Sixers were still down 19 points in the first quarter. I jokingly texted you that maybe the Sixers had the wrong game time down for start. Like maybe they thought it was an eight o'clock start instead of a 7:30 tip. No, but, that was that was wishful thinking on your part. They should have just come an hour late. But they would have been got, rested for the second half. So you got a bunch of problems here right now. You know, it's Embiid mm-hmm. at the end of the game. Uh, you know, he's still clearly playing with some type of rib injury and discomfort. You can see him holding it at times. But this team is supposedly Embiid and a bunch of guys who shoot threes, right? That's what I'm told. So last night, Embiid and Curry were four for four from three. Encouraging. The rest of the team, two for 23, 8.7%. Don't you have to get lucky and make one every once in a while? Apparently not. Apparently they're not lucky. There were wide open shots. And what got me the most is I'm not a fire doc guy, but I'm not a doc's the greatest coach in the world guy. I kind of look at it as it is, and I don't really understand. And I've told you I don't understand some of his rotations, some of his decisions, some of his end of game things. After the game, he says that the team approached the game casually. Well, whose fault is that? You're the coach. Take well, some yeah, responsibility it, it wasn't already. E- it if, wasn't even on a Friday. On a Friday, you have casual day. On Thursday, you should not have casual day. I, I don't even understand what that comment it means. I don't get it. Like, you're what not does that mean you approached yourself? it casually? Uh, clearly, they thought that they would be better enough than a bunch of replacement players. Clearly, they weren't. Like, I don't understand... What is going on here? Either you're coaching this team and they're motivated and they're up and ready, or they're not. But for you to come into a post-game press conference and say, we needed to win, but we were too casual, come on, what is that? Hey, I got a question for you. Would you So, so Joel Embiid seems to be a foot taller version of Allen Iverson at this point, uh, as far as what this team is. You now, you now have Joel Embiid and, and a bunch of role players, including Tobias Harris at this point. So... So can with, I with, can I say something which is yeah. which I, I didn't even think about before this? Allen took it to the hole more than Joel does. That that's true. Like Allen played down low yeah, more but than I'm, Joel I, I didn't, does. I at didn't times. just just so we're clear. I didn't mean to compare Allen Iverson to Joel Embiid. I was comparing the teams in, in that we now have a, a basically a one man team, which and, to me isn't good enough. And and you know we've talked about the process. We've talked about everything. Yes, you have a bunch of guys in protocol and out, but even if all of these guys were here, Danny Green's in protocol. He has not had a good season. Shake Milton's in protocol. He's not going to make a difference. Jordan Yang, not going to do it. Andre Drummond, not going to do it. Corkbus, not going to do it. Max, no, but 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 they but but they provide something that is desperately needed in the NBA, which is depth. So once they get out of this protocol, if they can stay out of protocol and can get healthy, they can provide depth that will make them a Better mediocre team. A better mediocre. Well, that's the, well, okay. You said it right there. A yeah. Better mediocre team. That's what mm-hmm. they are. They're a yeah, mediocre right. team, and I don't know if a trade changes that right now. I well, really don't. I, I th- it depends on what the trade is. The problem is, is they have a bunch of needs at this point. The the odds of you getting a point guard who is also a shooting guard. I don't know if you if you look at the starting lineup yes, yesterday, at least the way that it was on ESPN and CBS Sports, nobody was identified as a point guard in the starting rotation. No, they're all guards. Seth Curry was, the point? was the shooting guard, but he was listed as a shooting guard. And then you had three what were considered forwards and a center. 
they, they are now at the point that they truly don't have. And I, I'm not quite sure why Maxi didn't start. Me either. I mean, I assume it's because he was on a minutes limit after the injury. But start so, him in the game. Limit yeah. is minutes after you start him. I, I just, I don't. Clearly, you can tell I'm frustrated. This is the first year in a while the Sixers won't be playing tomorrow on Christmas. Uh, we'll see. Assuming they play Sunday night, there's been a lot of COVID cancellations in the NBA lately, Jeff. So we'll see what happens. In, ev- in every sport. I, well, we'll get to all that. Why don't we hit our interview, hit the break, and then come back and talk about the craziness in the sports world. Sound good? Done. All right, let's go to our interview. We got a chance to talk to, obviously, we did this earlier this week, giving Christmas edition, uh, with our sponsor, uh, business manager for the operating engineers. They've been partners with us for years, and they play more of a role in stadiums than most people know. Here's our interview with Greg Lollavy. We've got somebody who's helped make this show possible for us for years. The Heart of Sports has been proud to be powered by the hardworking men and women of the operating engineers in ELAC 825. Today we get a few minutes to talk to the business manager of the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, Greg Lollavy. Greg, thanks so much for the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. Uh, it is a blast to get to talk to you. Since you started supporting the show, um, I have joked with you and other people on your team about the role that you all play in sports that nobody actually sees, separate from your members being fans and stuff, which we'll get to, we wouldn't be able to go to a game without the operating engineers, would we? Can you tell us a little bit about you guys? Sure. Uh, we're, we're primarily known as heavy equipment operators, so you'll see us building the roads, the bridges, uh, the rail lines, uh, water, sewer, gas infrastructure, uh, just about anything you can think of. Operating engineers touch the lives of everyday people. More, more than you might imagine. It's, uh, it's a great occupation to have because we, we build things and uh, we leave something behind when we're gone and get to visit and revisit it for years. What's it like to, to, to build something and then see people go in and enjoy it? It's, it's awesome. It's amazing. I'm the son of an operating engineer. So one example I could give you is my father worked on the Spruce Run Reservoir. Um, my daughter used to race sailboats on the Spruce Run Reservoir. So that, that's a lake that wouldn't have existed had it not been for the, the needs of New Jersey and the water supply and, and the foresight of people to build a reservoir uh, to have drinking water, but also to be able to use it as a recreational area. So that, that's kind of a neat thing. I drive my kids crazy because I worked on the Frank Lautenberg train station in Secaucus. And if we go through that station to the city, they don't like to point out all the things I put there um, <laughs> when I was operating a crane. So that's a that's a fun part of what we do. You know, you, you talk about operating a crane. We, we see these stadiums rise from nothing to, to be places that, that fans have so much enjoyment. What's that like for you as an operating engineer to see it go from a planning stage to a, a finished product where people are in there rooting on their teams? Uh, it's it's awesome. So I, I ran the crane that put the Cure Center in Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, at the time, it was primarily looked to, uh, for the Trenton Titans hockey team. So to go to a game there, or I took my, my daughters when they were younger to Disney on Ice at the Cure Center, uh, to walk into a place that you actually had a major part of putting uh, where it exists is an awesome feeling to, to just look around and see what the finished product is, to think about everything that went into the engineers and architects who designed it and made sure that everything worked out, uh, you know, the city that had to plan it and why, 
uh, you know, for the, like the Cure Center to bring tourism into Trenton and, and stimulate the economy. So to sit there then later as a patron and to look around and, you know, know how some of those things got there or know some of the faces of iron workers or carpenters or laborers that worked along with you, um, you know, it's just really a great feeling. All right. So this is a sports show. <laughs> we're going to talk a little sports because poor Jason, now, even though he gets to celebrate his Eagles victory over the Pop Warner WFT team, um, <laughs> now now has to play a real team on, on Sunday, even though, well, we're without our quarterback, too, it appears. So, so tell us a little bit about your fandom. Well, you're talking about football. So my fandom in football is the New York Giants. Uh, yes, we get to brag about a win over the Eagles a couple of weeks ago, uh, but I was at that game, watched it. It was a tough game to watch. It was two offenses who really couldn't get much done. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of faith in the Giant offense these days. While Daniel Jones is out, Glennon hasn't looked like an answer. Uh, Jake Fromm showed some promise over the weekend, you know, but he was put in at a time when it didn't really matter. So even if Coach Judge gives him the start, uh, you know, we don't know what we'll see when he's really taking snaps at a time that's critical and matters. Jeff tells me it's all about your offensive line because I said I don't understand it. You guys have some weapons, and you just can't give your quarterback any time to to do anything, regardless of who it is, Glennon or Jones or anybody. No, that that's true. And and any good team always has a great offensive line to protect the quarterback to open up holes for their running back. That they, they are really what makes an offense go day in and day out on a football team. And uh, to construct one takes some time, takes some free agency uh, pickups. Um, you know, so hopefully we get to do that before Daniel Jones comes back next year and protect them a little better. Jeff tells me that the fact that the Eagles rushed for over 175 yards for the seventh week in a row, I shouldn't pay any attention to because all those teams sucked. Um, should I not pay attention to it that it might happen this weekend or <laughs> – um, and I'm not, look, I, in fairness, no, way, because Jeff, Jeff will tell you, sucks. Jeff will tell you, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought the Eagles were going to be, have six wins this season. I did not have any expectations for this team. They've been better than I thought. So it's all gravy at this point for me. I would love to see them do well, but I didn't think there'd be anything. Whoa, here. whoa, whoa. Wait, time out. Um, you always have low expectations for your team. It's it may that's the story of being a Phillies fan. This way, uh, you can't be disappointed when your team <laughs> fails to achieve the things they say they will because you didn't have any expectations they would actually do it. So, Craig, I know you guys get your hopes up there with with your teams to be disappointed. I I on the other hand just lower things down a little bit, and then it's all good. But it's not just rooting for your teams. You know, with the operating engineers, you guys do different marketing partnerships. Can you talk about the ability to support those teams and what it's like for you to partner with them? I know with the Jets, there's there's field goals, there's other partnerships that you have. What's that like for your organization and membership? Well, it's great exposure for us and for our members when the Jets do the public address announcement that we support a contribution to the Jets Foundation with every field goal. I get text messages from friends, neighbors, uh, my friends in other construction trades. It's it's just a cool thing to have happen. Uh, we partner with both the Jets and the Giants. Uh, you know, we've built MetLife Stadium. We've built Giants Stadium before it. Uh, we get the opportunity to give tickets to our members to games. So whether they're a Jet fan or a Giant fan, we get to send them to the game. And for some of those people who also worked 
on those projects. It's it's an immense sense of pride to walk into the stadium, to know you had a part of putting it there. It, it adds to the electricity of going to a football game. You know, MetLife Stadium is, is kind of a marvel. It's, it's, a, it's a really big football stadium. When, when you got to see what it was going to be like, what that stadium was going to be like, what, what what's it like as a fan to see that you're going to ha- be part of something where you're going to then go in and cheer on your team? Oh, it's it's incredible to go there at the beginning. Uh, you know, a little melancholy when you actually turn around and take down the old giant stadium because that was part of the overall project. And you think about all the great memories there and a couple of great giant teams that played in that stadium. But to walk into MetLife, uh, whether it's the Giants or the Jets, it's it's a great thing in that stadium to have two pro teams. So there's a game every weekend. Uh, so there's a lot going on. And, and the way it stimulates the local economy, the bars, the restaurants, uh, even the, the tourism, the, the traffic coming in and out, people on the railroads, it's, it's a big economic boon to the region. So on a number of levels, it's just great to be part, you know, part of, what goes on at MetLife Stadium on a day-to-day basis. You know, we talk a lot of football. You are also a big college basketball fan, <laughs> among other sports. We, You and I have had plenty of fun talking about it. You, Jeff, Greg's got great ideas for, like, a New Jersey tournament with all the teams from the state playing at the different buildings around the state. But you're does a that include, So does that include Rutgers? It does. Yes, oh, he's absolutely. going to allow Rutgers <laughs> to play, Jeff. So, Greg, you should know that um, we had Leroy Horde, who uh, Jeff knows from Michigan, who won the MVP in the Rose Bowl. At the end of our interview with him two weeks ago, he said he followed the Rutgers rule, which Jeff can't get over, which meant that he bet against Rutgers every time that season <laughs> and won the majority of his bets, which I totally understand. So Jeff gets a kick out of the, the Rutgers side of things. You're a Monmouth man, though. You're a Monmouth season ticket holder. You go to lots of games. Your daughter goes to Butler. On this show, we talk about a lot about family and the impact that sports has on family. You're one that goes with your daughters and that goes with your family. What's that like to to experience those games and have that fun together for you? Oh, it's great. My my oldest, her first couple of years at Monmouth is when they went on uh, two really good runs in a row, r- rang up some good wins, uh, were a well-regarded team. Uh, since then, I, you know, I bought into having season tickets there, so you'll find me in Oceans First a lot. But, I mean, you look at this this year's team as an exciting team to look at. A lot of upper-class leadership, guys like Marcus McClary, George Pappas. They added graduate transfers and Walker Miller and Shavar Reynolds. Uh, so they've got a good thing going. They're 10-2, they're and two, best start in school history, rung up some great non-conference wins. They've beaten Towson, Lehigh, Princeton. Uh, sorry to say to you, Philly guys, they beat St. Joe's. Uh, even even bigger, they've got wins at Cincinnati and at Pittsburgh. Um, and their only two blemishes oh, are hurts, UNC. Jeff. That one hurts, Jeff. He's a Pittsburgh guy, too. So that's a shot right there, Greg. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, what? don't go too much down on Rutgers. You know, they rang up number one Purdue a couple weeks ago. So, uh well, look, the, the one thing that I've always said about Rutgers is somebody who grew up in, in North Jersey is, um, well, down here, everything's North Jersey, like north of Trenton. But um, it is Rutgers building is one of the best basketball arenas in America. It is it is loud. Um, it doesn't matter how the team is, but you're right. The team is good this year. And Coach Paquel, I think, is a, a very good basketball coach and and they sputtered a little bit for, for a week or two, but they're going to get their act together as the game against Purdue showed. 
I think they're going to be formidable when the Big Ten season comes. Big Ten's a great, great conference. And you're right, the Rack is an awesome arena to walk in and watch a game. It has an electric atmosphere. The, the Rutgers fans are loyal, loud, and true. Um, but, you know, J- Jason referenced my daughter going to Butler. Um, almost nothing compares to walking into Henkel Fieldhouse. If you're a college basketball fan, your hairs will stand on end. You, you can feel the history that the Indiana people love their basketball. The, the Butler fans are uh, just incredible. So to walk in there uh, when I go visit my daughter and, and we're figuring out what game it's going to be this year um, is an incredible feeling. They're, they're a good team. They have their history. You know, they're off to a little bit of a rocky start, but uh, Coach Laval Jordan's got He's another one with great senior leadership there with Aaron Thompson, Bryce Golden, Bryce Enzi, Jair Bolden, a couple of real good young kids and Jaden Taylor and Chuck Harris. So, uh, you know, they, they've gotten beaten badly a couple times, a couple bad games. Uh, they had a, you know, a tough loss to Michigan State at Hinkle. They, they had a tough loss to Houston. They got beat pretty good by Purdue in the Crossroad Classic. Um, but on the other side, they have a nice win going into Norman, Oklahoma, and knocking off the Sooners. So, um, you know, l- looking up there. And for you Philly guys, you know, Nova had a nice win last night over a well-regarded Xavier team. So don't be completely down on Philly, Jason. The, I the, would the, never. The Wildcats are alive and well. I would never be down. And look, when we need a basketball breakdown, Jeff, I think we know who to call now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Greg, so go- actually, I, I do have a quick question. As, as, as a Michigan guy, Laval Jordan was an assistant under John Beeline. Uh, when he was there, he was regarded as a really good recruiter and a really good assistant coach. Do people at Butler love Laval Jordan? Jordan? Um, he's He's an alum, so of course, you know, he's part of the family. Uh, there was a rocky year there where they had a tough year. He is a good recruiter. He's brought in great young talent. Um, you know, this this transfer portal thing, though, I think is is a danger. It's tough to groom young players. You know, you have a guy like Aaron Thompson, a great upper-class leader. Um, you know, do the, do the younger underclassmen learn from him, or do they get impatient and throw themselves into the transfer portal. I, I think it's something that college sports has to look at uh, as far as just players being able to bounce all over the place. So Coach Jordan is a good recruiter, and he does attract good talent into his team, and and they'll be they'll be a success uh, over time. And I think things are looking up this year. He's got to get it together. He's got it's he's got a bad a good problem. He's got a lot of really good players on this team. He has to figure out his rotation and where everybody fits. We talk a lot about the transfer portal on the show, a lot about the coaching movement. So you're right in the wheelhouse where we've been. I do want to close on sort of the social side of sports. You've got members all over the state. They're fans of all different teams, and they all come together and give each other a hard time. Let's talk the social side of sports for your membership. How important is it, those rooting interests that they bring to it? It kind of helps make up who they are, right? Oh, it sure does. And it's it's a lot of fun. You, you know, we we have our meetings in southern New Jersey where most people are Philadelphia based fans. I, I grew up in central New Jersey where, I, you know, I root for mostly New York teams. So, you know, there's just the, the collegial joshing back and forth and busting chops. You know, the other thing we can't ignore is we have a significant uh, part of our membership that's of Portuguese and Hispanic descent. So soccer is a sport that we can't completely ignore either anymore. You know, those guys love love their teams. They love uh, getting together and watching 
soccer on the weekends. So, uh, you know, we, we focus a lot on the, what we grew up with, with the major sports, uh, but we can't ignore some of these, uh, some of these things are as the sporting rooting interests are starting to diversify amongst sports, not just amongst teams. Well, we're going to have to add soccer into the Greg Wallaby sports rotation. Greg, we can't thank you enough for giving us a few minutes. It's, it's right before Christmas. Um, we really appreciate what your organization's done to help enable us to do this show every week. We wouldn't be able to do it without you guys. And we're glad we got a few minutes to talk about what you all do because it's important. And so thanks so much for the time, and we hope you have a very Merry Christmas to you and your members. Thanks. It was great to be with you this morning. We're happy to support the show. You know, as we said earlier, you know, we we partner with the teams in MetLife Stadium, but, uh, you know, you guys cover an area where a significant part of our members root for those Philadelphia teams. So we're, we're glad to be part of the Philadelphia market also. Uh, we, we can't thank you enough. We look forward to talking to you again in the new year and continuing the partnership and doing more with you guys. Thanks so much, Greg. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, I'm so glad you're narrating with a little singing coming back from that interview. It was a blast to talk to Greg Lalavi. <laughs> like we've talked about, we've enjoyed our partnership with them. They help allow us to do the show and the interview that we do. But at the same time, that, it was cool to talk to him. I mean, they built the stadiums that we sit in and watch the games. You're a Giants fan. He helped build that. I'm always fa- I am always fascinated by by how they build stadiums, the intricacy, and the things that they forget to do. I mean, you and I, I think, talked a couple of weeks ago about the New Islanders Stadium, but which apparently was the biggest secret in sports until it actually opened. But before, right before the stadium opened. They all got together and had all the staff go around and flush all the toilets at one time because nobody ever thinks about whether the pipes can handle that kind of thing. So, so it's it's fascinating to see. Now, what we did not ask Greg, and we will now need to have him back if he's going to be willing to answer the question, is he mentioned during that interview that that they had something to do with taking down the old giant stadium. Yes. If that's the case, what do you want to know if then maybe he has the answer to whether or not Jimmy there was Hoffa's anything in the end zone. <laughs> Look at you. You're trying right? to like solve mysteries here on the heart of sports. <laughs> I see how it maybe, is with you. Maybe we could have done a show that would have been better than Geraldo opening the Al Capone vault. Oh, you, see, look at you. You you try to take this to different places. It it seems. Did you, you know, see it? Did I, did you see the the Al Capone opening the Al Capone vault? Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, is there anybody that saw it that didn't end with yeah, unfortunately? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> I have a feeling it would end the same way with Greg if we asked him about it. But we certainly could have Beck on. Look, he could be a basketball expert for us with all the stuff he knew about his college basketball. There, Jeff, I wasn't expecting that breakdown. Yeah, we got all sorts of basketball experts. And the Pittsburgh shot had to enjoy that. <laughs> we get, we get the Rutgers rule like every other day, which by the way, oh, we, we are going to talk will about get to Rutgers. Rutgers. When we get back from the break, we are going to talk a little Rutgers. All right, that's a perfect lead. Let's hit the break. We'll get the commercial. When we come back, we will talk about how Rutgers University is going bowling. Stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. This is Dan Baker. 
public address voice of the Philadelphia Phillies. And you're listening to the Heart of Sports with Jeff Cohen and Jason Springer. Jeff, we are back. Uh, you can follow us online. You can hear it anytime on our podcast. By the way, we never plug our stuff, right, Jeff? Go to theheartofsports.org. You can hear our full shows, our interviews. You can watch videos of lots of these interviews on YouTube. You can follow us on our Facebook page, on Twitter. You can subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. You name it, you can find us. Did I forget a bunch? No, but when you said plug our stuff, I'm like, do I, do we have merch that I'm not aware of? <laughs> no, but we actually air places, so we should yeah. tell people where they could find us. Mm-hmm. Plus, you probably think I'm just stalling to not get into the Rutgers rip you're about to give me. But what look, do you mean stalling? You you have a chance now to bask in the glow of Rutgers making a bowl game for the first time since a couple of years when? ago. So, since probably when Shiano was the coach last time. <laughs> yeah, do you, like like do you not even know it's been so long? It's been a couple of years since they've been what is a couple i want to know what a couple is well you should ask me that when i'm not actually doing an interview all right well well here the floor is now yours for at least 60 seconds to explain how excited you are that they're in a bowl game for the first time in a couple years look I'm i'm excited for Rutgers to get on tv any exposure for them is good even if they get blown out by a 10 and 3 wake forest team it's clearly a tough matchup they haven't played in a month. They've been at home. Supposedly, they're still working out. I still have concerns. Everybody's supposedly going to come back to campus tomorrow after Christmas and start their preparation. I can only imagine the COVID testing that's going on right now. Coach Shiano has says that everybody is vaccinated. We've seen how that's worked out in some places. We've already seen some college football championship teams that are having issues right now. So, look. I, again, just like the Eagles this season, and you'll rip me for it, I have no expectations for them to win this bowl game, but I'm going to look forward to seeing them out on the field and something to watch. It's not quite the Orange Bowl that you'll be at in person. Wait, wait well, we can get to that. But later. I will be waking up. Here's your chance to talk about Rutgers. Don't, I will don't be get off waking up at 11 a.m. and watching yeah. the game, and I'm excited to see my team play in it. And I'm sure that your wonderful good friend Leroy Horde is very excited to have a chance to bet against them. Maybe, but just so you know, it was 2014 was the last time that Rutgers was in a bowl game when they beat North Carolina in the Quick Lane Bowl. You're looking for commentary from me on that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to tell you about it because I don't even know what the Quick Lane is. I'm actually going to leave the dead air in there for that. <laughs> yeah, you should. You I should. got no comment on it. <laughs> But but okay, so now now I'm about to maybe harsh your a little bit of mellow here. Um, Rutgers, Greg Schiano and the Rutgers athletic department should all be fired for be for doing this for taking the game. You don't think yes. they should have taken it? No, no. look, I I bowls are a good opportunity for recruiting and things like that. You're asking a bunch of kids that haven't practiced in I don't know how long Rutgers has not been practicing. Apparently to, they actually kept come, practicing hold by on, the way, hold on, at the end hold of the on, season. Oh, hold on. They they they're not practicing now. No. And, and they weren't getting ready for a game. No. And all of the players are not on campus, so they're not even attempting to to. They weren't even attempting to social distance or do anything like that. While every other league is shutting down and canceling games left and right. And you're now going to ask a hundred plus kids to come back, all from around at least the country, if not farther. Uh, where they were around a whole bunch of other people, including their friends and, and family. And they're going to come into campus 
and they're going to practice. Today is the 24th. The game is on, the, I think, the 31st, right? Mm-hmm. In one week, they're all going to get tested. They're all going to be negative, And they're all going to be ready to play in such a way that it's not going to increase the risks to them as individuals of getting hurt because they weren't getting ready for a ball game. I had read reports they were actually going to turn it down because of I did concerns. too. Like I've originally you had said it to me and I'm like, oh, come on, that's not going to happen. Well, yes. So, so I would like to take credit for one thing, which is about three hours before any of this came out, I jokingly sent a text to you say, saying that Texas A&M was bowing out of the Gator Bowl and there's no bowl eligible teams left. So maybe Rutgers finally has a chance to make a bowl game. Not knowing at all that they would actually take this joke seriously. <laughs> Not only did they take the joke seriously, the NCAA had to give like special waivers. And look, this is so complicated, not only for the kids who are home, but they need to get waivers for the guys who declared for the draft already, who are going to yeah. have agents. Are they allowed to play in the game? Do they want to take that risk? You have teams that don't play in college football championships in the Rose Bowl they sit out the players because they're worried about the future and here you are five and seven team you're going to ask Bo Melton and some other guys who have a chance to go in the draft to take Oops. a chance for the team don't do that don't do that you know who he is you know he'll be drafted let's what? stop no I really don't he know will be he drafted is. he'll end up in the NFL but uh-huh. you're 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 asking a lot of them because they have helped to rebuild a program, and clearly they're committed to it. But at this point, they've moved on with their careers. They're, so there's opportunities because at this point, you wouldn't get the chance to be playing and practicing. So in terms of development for next year for the kids, sure, great opportunity. Experience to play in a bowl game, great opportunity. Risks that come along with it, absolutely, like you said. I, I, just, I just don't know how you do this, and I don't know how you pull it off in such a way that it was worth it because what we're seeing now, and this was another thing I talked to you a couple of weeks ago, of being at, at a minimum suspicious or at least been concerned about the bowl season because the NHL was shutting down its season for a while. The NBA has been a circus with who, when you have no idea who's playing and who's not playing. And those are sports with a lot less people on them. And then you had college football. And until last week, you didn't hear anything about any of these teams having a problem. And I kept saying to you, I don't know how this is happening. This doesn't make any sense to me. That was actually the conversation that we had. All these leagues are having problems and college football hadn't had it to the severity that they did. Now, all of a sudden, just days after you and I talk about this. Hawaii had to pull out of the Hawaii Bowl because they have COVID. Texas A&M is out of the Gator Bowl. Bama has two they coaches. Had, did, you, did you see they had 38 players eligible to play in that game? Yeah, Between not- COVID, players that had already declared for the draft, um, and injuries and transfers. That's it was, it was it insane. 38. And this is a team that has, I think, the number one recruiting class next year. Look, Bama has two coaches positive with covid we'll see if they're back in time to coach and it's not a minor detail it's the offensive coordinator and the offensive line yeah people who kind of will play a role in the game george's quarterback has covid right now we'll see if he's cleared well he's the back just so we're clear he's the he was a starting quarterback at the beginning of the season but he was not he's not the starting quarterback. the backup now but again you you talk about the depth for these teams these are physical games they're going to play michigan a big 10 team that hits really hard with a defense that puts a ton of pressure on and then you have Michigan, 
who's out there getting a booster shot together and like Alabama now is going back to implementing those social distancing procedures, which frankly, I don't understand why we didn't have all along. Somebody can explain that to me separately. Well, th- well, think about it. I mean, it's been a while since you and I were on college campuses, some longer than others, but um, <laughs> it, it, n- not as far as years at college. I mean, years <laughs> away from college. <laughs> it's, Actually, it is, you were on a college campus more recently than me, but you weren't <laughs> attending school at said campus. Correct. I was at the Michigan Ohio State game. But, but, but you ha- when you have tens of thousands of students and classes and professors and staff. It's a little hard to do it. It's actually a little bit easier now because students aren't on campuses. That's been so what they're all, saying is they're well, or if you're Joe Burrow living in Cincinnati, there's nothing to do. So you can't get. COVID yeah, we, we, we can get to that <laughs> so, later because I've had conversations about how exciting Cincinnati is before, but right before that. But but what what I've seen, at least I can talk to you about what Michigan's doing, is you're right, that the students decided on their own that they were all going together for a booster shot. So the entire team went for its booster shot, and, and then they are now in implementing policies just amongst themselves of wearing masks everywhere, social distancing even in the, the rooms where they're looking at film, taking their food and going back to their, their respective residences, and doing everything they can. And for these kids, I mean, it should be like that for every bowl game, but for the kids that are in these four games, the student athletes that are in this, they are, they are taking this seriously. And they realize that, you know, Andrew Stuber, who's, who is a lineman for Michigan said, look, my parents told me when I was younger, you only have a certain number of, of great opportunities. And when you do, you have to make sacrifices. And, and these student athletes are making sacrifices for the basically self-quarantining themselves for a month to get through this. Well, look, I mean, yeah. of interest to you, I'm sure as well, not only as a fan, but as somebody who's going to the game. And we'll talk about that more on next week's show. Cause I'm happy for you, by the way, I'm really excited that you get to experience this because I know you didn't expect it at the start. That's, of the season. See, that's not cool. I know you mean well, but there, there's still a chance there's no game. Well, that's like, what I wanted to get legi- into. There's a legitimate chance that there's no so game. Like, like that's me what I, and, and I wanted yeah. to get into that because the college football playoff announced a forfeit cancellation policy on Wednesday that they hadn't previously had. So if a team can't play in the semifinals, if they don't have enough players – they would forfeit. If both teams are unable to play, the game will be declared a no contest and the winner of the other game will become the champion. If yeah. three teams are unavailable to play, the one, one team wins. who made it will be the champion. Now, it doesn't sound like. And, and, and can you imagine the conspiracy theories? Oh, my God. That, well, well, there's there's two potential conspiracy theories. If Michigan and Cincinnati aren't able to play, there'll be the SEC conspiracy theory. And if only one team makes and it, Alabama. Makes it, it's, yeah, there's yep. going to be a conspiracy theory that the team that made it actually had a whole bunch of people with COVID, but somehow was able to hide those test Did, results. Didn't get tested or whatever. So exactly. It's interesting because they didn't say they can reschedule the semifinal games. No. But they did say they could reschedule the national championship game. That's scheduled for January 10th. It can be pushed as late as January Yeah, because nobody's going to Indianapolis anyway in the winter. Well, now you sound like Joe Burrow about Cincinnati, man. <laughs> well, well, well. So, so, so we're clear. They're not that far apart because 
one of my college buddies said, if if we if we go to the national championship game, we're going to fly into Cincinnati and then drive to Indianapolis. And I'm like, okay, that's two cities. There's nothing to do in, <laughs> and for, there's nothing to do along the way. For anybody who's catching us in Indy and Cincy, sorry Cincinnati. about that. Didn't know Jeff was going to come on. And hold just rip hold you. on, just so we're clear. <laughs> You can't blame me for saying that because you're just you're, repeating you're, what other people have said. You're a star athlete in the city of Cincinnati who grew up in Ohio just said it. The funny he thing said is the reason that they're not getting COVID and they've been so healthy is because there's nothing to do in Cincinnati. And I think he was trying to say it as a positive. Yes, he was. Like, not, it was not a knock on there. Was, he loves being there. It was not meant as like yeah. a knock. But if you're not in Cincinnati, you hear it and you're like. Uh, I don't think that's how you meant it to come out. He won't be doing any ads for the Tourism Society of Cincinnati. Rather right? unlikely. Have you watched some of the college games so far? Or are you just not into bowl season? No, it's it is hard to watch a lot of these bowls. One because it, there's so many of them. There's what 46 or whatever bowls. I figured uh, the so Cheez-It many, Bowl would be There's so many bowls on, that they had to take Rutgers as a backup. I so. figured that the Cheez-It Bowl would be on your calendar from day one. <laughs> the pinstripe bowl. I mean, Did you watch <laughs> the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl with Jimmy Camel from our friend Dave Raymond? Yeah, Jim, Jimmy Camel is the most disturbing mascot I've ever seen. You know, the way he's supposed to have the scruff. It doesn't look like scruff. It just, I don't know what it looks like. It looks like he stuck his face in like a, a bowl of some dirty <laughs> mud. We didn't even get and to, then they have him throwing up. <laughs> we didn't even get to talk about this though. Uh, Dave Raymond, obviously friend of the show, he's been on a bunch of times. How great was in him? He on Jimmy Kimmel Live with the creation of the mascot. I messaged with him a little bit. He sent me a message of the segment on Twitter, and I, I wrote back. I was like, I'm impressed. I mean, it was great stuff that he did there. It it was great stuff. Although my vote was for the smog monster. I know that's what the, you wanted. That 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 was by far the best one. But I mean, good, good for Dave. Some great exposure for what the mascots do out there. And yeah, but back to the back to the bowl games though, just for a second. Um, to me, the problem with all of these bowl games is bowl games no longer matter. And it's I not don't just know because of the number about. of teams. Look, the Gasparilla no. Bowl is definitely it matters, Jeff. No, no. Look, for some for some for some cities, this is a large. Yeah. Economy booster. I mean, for the Orange Bowl, that's going to they make a ton of money. And then when they have these large alumni groups like Michigan is that travel really well, you I mean, you have no idea how hard it was to find a car. (laughs) I was wondering because you did not plan on going to the game. So these are last. I didn't plan on Michigan going being in the Gasparilla Bowl. So these are last minute preps. So I was wondering how difficult everything has been for you, the logistics wise. And, you know, people, I don't know. anybody. It it has been. But 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 back to the bowls. The problem is, is because the the student athletes don't care about them anymore. That's the big problem. So you have when you have a very good football school that doesn't make the college football semifinal the kids opt out and so i mean that's what you had in texas a&m it wasn't just COVID; it was players opting out for a variety of different reasons so uh, you know i also went to pit 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 nobody predicted pit to win the acc championship and to be in a a premier bowl game this year and your quarterback opted out the, the quarterback who was a heisman trophy finalist and is going to be a first round pick this year opted out of playing the game. So how am I supposed to get excited to watch Pitt play 
when the best player on the team, although some people have argued with me that Pickett's not really that good, it's the wide receiver, but I still think he's really good. How do you, how do you, how do you do that? How, how am I supposed to watch that game and get excited when the guy that I've been rooting for all season has decided it's not important enough for him to play with his teammates in the game? Look, I think college bowl games are more about gambling than ever. <laughs> I, you know, we could talk about the local economy and everything, but if people but were not is, wagering but, but, money on these games, there would not be this many bowl games. It's just, I'm sorry, it's just what I believe. You're telling me people are betting on the Gasparilla Bowl and the Quick Lane Bowl and the, the Jeff the Gator. Are you I speak, serious? I speak from experience, okay? Uh, you know my dad passed away a year ago. Do you know how my dad knew that I was gambling before I quit when I was in college? When I watched the Blue-Gray All-Star game and had a very unique interest in what was going on in said How do you games. bet on that? How do you bet on an All-Star game? When you're gambling, you will find yeah. an angle on anything. And now with gambling, you can gamble on players. You can gamble on okay, the half. So, you don't need well, the but, whole game spread. So maybe you don't want to watch the whole Gasparillo Bowl, but you yeah. want to put some money on Nobody the game. Does. So you bet on the first half over under. Or you bet on something else, and then okay, you go but out no, afterwards. But, but stop for a second. What do you bet on for the blue-gray game? Uh, I think I bet on the over-under, actually, at the time. How? I don't know. You have I no idea who's to take in that odds. game. Never I didn't say it was there. a smart move. There's a reason why I quit gambling 21 years ago, Jeff. If I did well, I may not have stopped doing it. Clearly, I didn't have something good going on there. No, but there's a difference between just being bad at picking teams and doing something that makes absolutely no sense. You could bet on the Gasparilla Bowl. You know which teams they are, assuming you know any of the players on either team. If you bet on an all-star game from college, you have no clue who's I playing, was, what's going to happen. I was like, how look, do you do that? I was looking for a little entertainment at the time. I'm just saying there will be people. Did you win? No. <laughs> Again, there's a reason why I quit gambling, Jeff. If things would have gone well for me, I probably wouldn't have ended the way that I did. Do you still remember? Did you bet the over or the under? I did not bet the winning side. <laughs> That's what I remember. You don't know? I remember oh, I sitting. I remember sitting on the edge of the couch and my dad looking over at me, going, "Why are you so interested in this game? Did you bet on this?" And my dad, was just... you know, he knew at that point, and it was like, "Well, uh, maybe." So, yeah, I mean, no, look, I was, and, I, and I don't I was, hide my gambling past. It's, you know, it is what it is. I, I learned from my experiences. Would I do that today? Absolutely not. You know, how do you even bet on the Gasparillo Bowl? You don't know who's going to show up in COVID and who's going to play in the game. How do you bet on anything right now? Last well, week, you, you we saw the right Eagles, before kickoff. Right? Last, last week, we saw the Eagles spread against Washington football team go from two points to 12 points to six points in a span of four and a half days. So uh, you have games that have wild swings on lines right now. But, yes, the answer is there will be people putting money on every one of these games. And if they don't bet the game directly, they'll bet a parlay or they'll tease it or find some other way. Because, Jeff, as somebody explained to me a long time ago, there's a real reason why there's big buildings in Atlantic City and Las Vegas. Yeah. Okay. So, so, like, I know right, you're not so the can, gambling can, guy, can, but that, but that is, there is a reason why these games are still played, and I don't believe it's just for the altruistic, the kids get the bowl experience, or it's good for the local economy. I'm not that. I don't believe it. All right. So, so let, let's go to one of the one of the things you mentioned is a variable for gambling, which is is the COVID problems, which is which is running rampant through every sport at this point. Yeah. 
So, so can we take a shot at, at Cole Beasley since he thinks he's so holier than now again? Look, you got so, him. You got so, Dalvin Cook, who also wasn't right, vaccinated. Right, right, right. Now but the, but the, diff- the difference between Cole Beasley and, and Dalvin Cook is Cole Beasley thinks that he knows everything. And, 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 and so I don't know if Cole Beasley had a chance to look at the latest report from the NFL's own chief medical exe- officer, Dr. Alan Sills, who said last night, that it appears that the majority of the spread is is coming from symptomatic players. Not there is not an asymptomatic spread going on. So that that means the people that 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 aren't vaccinated are really the ones spreading. Yeah, look, I I have a really hard time with this because I'm not a doctor, and so I don't even know. No, what... I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I, here. Here is a quote from Doctor Sills. I think all of our concern about asymptomatic spread has been going down based on what we've been seeing throughout the past several months. I We've hope got our hands full with symptomatic people. I hope they're right, and that is a problem. But, again, we didn't talk about it on the show last week. I alluded to it. I talked about it in the Eagles out, a situation with the game being postponed. Do you know the first person who had COVID on the, on the Washington football team? Montez Sweat, not vaccinated. Who did it go to after that? Their defensive line room. Those players were out. Who did it spread to? Other people. So you can talk about vaccinated, unvaccinated. People could say it's not their fault, whatever. But this is still going on, and these teams are trying not to miss games, but clearly it's impacting what they're doing. And Cole Beasley now won't be a part of his team when his team needs him the most. And that's all you ever hear these guys talk about. I'll do anything for the team. I'll run through a wall for the coach, but I won't get vaccinated to keep them safe or myself safe. And that's not to say you won't get covid But the hope is that if you do, you won't get as sick and your team won't have to be without you for 10 days because there's even different testing policies in place to bring you back. So you go to the Eagles this week with Nick Sirianni, who's now got COVID, but he's vaccinated. So if he takes two negative tests in the next two days, he can coach the game on Sunday. Cole Beasley does not have that chance. He's out for 10 days regardless because he's not vaccinated. Why are you smiling? I said something about Nick Sirianni. This might be the longest that you've talked. <laughs> I just, I know that you think that I never, ever have a take. I, I was, I was going to just get, see if we could go the whole rest of the show if, if I didn't say anything. <laughs> I, I just, the whole thing is so maddening to me. There, I guess what bothers me the most is there's no consistency between any league, and we don't know what those leagues' policies really are. So we don't know necessarily what was the turning point, what was the breaking point by which they decided to postpone games last weekend, but not postpone them other times in the NFL. What's the point where they decide they're going to cancel some NBA games, but not others? What's the point where the NHL suspends things? But I think the only reason they did that was because of what went on with Canada as opposed to their teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so look, there there is a couple issues here. One of what what you pointed out was how do you deal with the fact that they're not consistent with when they're canceling games and they're not canceling games for for the players for for fans. You sit there and you look at it and you say, yeah, this isn't fair. My team had to play with you know seven or eight players, and how come the Nets didn't have to play with the same the same problem? But you do want them to be able to adjust, right? So. So even though it, there is some level of unfairness, you want them to be able to adjust these things 
but you want it to be based on knowledge and what's best for the players, making sure they're safe. The problem is, is nobody seems to know exactly what, as you said, the consistency between leagues. I mean, all these leagues talk to each other. It shouldn't be that hard to figure out a policy that they all just kind of follow with some variables that are dependent on which league it is. My frustration is in things like the NHL says, okay, we're going to shut down for a week or two, um, but we're going to let a couple games go on before we shut down. We're going to shut down. Which was one of them was I was going to. Yes. And, and, And then three hours beforehand, they decided to say, oh, by the way, that game's off because two more capitals tested positive. Which, by the way, because of the way they did that, nobody was entitled to a refund. And so there's no. Well, well, now I'm speechless. Like, I feel like everything. (laughs) They didn't tell me that. I'm not surprised that everything's being driven by the dollars. But the whole reason that game, the Eagles played on Tuesday this past week, instead of that game being canceled, is because the Eagles players wouldn't have been paid either if that game was canceled. So the NFLPA wants everybody played. Hey, time out. Uh, So so with regard to that thing, when, when I saw that the Players Association and the NFL stepped in to make sure the games weren't canceled because the players wouldn't get paid. I cannot imagine that if those games got canceled, that the league should be any or any of the teams which should be allowed not to play the, pay those players. The, the, uh, something about that statement and how they're saying that has to be wrong. It makes I no understand, sense. I understand the collective bargaining agreement says you get paid when you have a game. But when when there's a pandemic going on and they stop a game through no fault of those players, you cannot possibly say we're not paying you that week. You practiced for that week. You prepped for that week. You did everything leading up to that week. And then all of a sudden the game gets canceled by the NFL through no fault of most of the people that are on the field. And you're going to say they don't get paid there. There's no way they would have gotten away. with. But you saw that. Is that not what we saw from the players from the NFLPA afterwards? Yeah, but I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that. The, I'm not buying that any NFL owner said out loud to anyone, "If we don't play this game, we're not paying my, um, we're not playing paying the players." By the way, those teams would get no free agents. Exactly. I just it, that's so it doesn't thing. make any sense. There's no nothing makes sense to me right now. All I want to do is go and watch a game, and I can't go and watch a game. I can't figure out when the game's going to be played, who's going to be playing, who's going to be cleared. Are they going to change the testing policy in the weekend before the game as opposed to what they had so that on a game that was played on Thursday, some people may not be eligible, but a game that's played on Saturday or Sunday, those same people would be eligible? It just I don't understand how you expect fans to watch a game where you can't tell them the rules of the game at this point. Or pay for it. So so my, my big question now these days is not who's going to win the game this weekend between the Giants and the Eagles. The question is, who's playing? is the game going to happen? Well, it'll happen, apparently, because... How do you say, know? Well, they don't say know. they won't pay people if it doesn't. Uh, but I, I agree with you, Okay, though. well, it will happen on Sunday at 1 o'clock. <laughs> Look... If I, if you I don't the, know. If I were the Eagles, you, I'd be a little know cons- until kickoff. If I were the Eagles, I'd be a little concerned about testing. Your head coach talks to everybody. He was clearly in jail and hurts face. You've had a couple offensive linemen go on, and you still have a few more days of testing. So I, I wouldn't feel great going into the weekend. You obviously have to prepare, but you don't know, and you don't know. You could wake up Sunday morning thinking you're going to play and get tested and be out. And so that's where people just really don't know 
what to expect. Jeff, we've got about a minute so, left. So I shouldn't buy my Jake Fromm jersey? Well, you are going to go to the game with your son. So you Supposedly. Can, you can, we'll see. You, you, I guess you won't have your Daniel Jones jersey on because he's out. And uh, Mike Lennon has just been pitiful, so you won't have that jersey on. You're he really just you're awful. Really, you're really just trying to give Alex a chance to get back at having to watch the Giants win earlier, right? That's yeah, and to wear his about. new uh, Brian Dawkins jersey to the game. And See, now that's good stuff. parenting right there, getting a Brian Dawkins jersey for your son. You know how I feel about Brian Dawkins. Well, you know, we have a whole thing in our family that we don't buy jerseys of, of current players because they tend to get traded immediately after. Yeah. So. Uh, well, uh, I'll make a list of the players I want out of town if you can go get yeah. some of those jerseys soon. Jeff, any last words before we say goodbye here? Wait till after they get traded and the jerseys go down in price. That's where it's going to be. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Merry Christmas. There's your last minute Christmas gift advice. Join us next Friday night (laughs) to help you start your weekend and end your year in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.